Sorry to disappoint you So what was your expectation? Nah, I'm just an everyday dude Oh, you expected perfection? This is what Christianity is supposed to be like I make mistakes Like, lots of mistakes I'm just trying to do the best that I can do I guess I'm just imperfectly human Welcome back to another week of the Imperfectly Human Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Daly, and I want to welcome you to week six. I want to thank you for rocking with me. It's been, we're six weeks deep. <laughs> I bet you're all proud of me now. Um, yeah, we're six weeks deep, man. Um, it's good to be back. It's been a good week. It's been an interesting week. Lots of happened. Lots of things have happened. We're going to jump into that. We're going to jump into some daddy dilemmas. We're going to talk um, about relationships and intimacy and um, building and maintaining healthy relationships, including romantic partnerships and how this can be a challenge for some men. Um, I'm obviously going to speak about it from the perspective of a black man because that's what I am. (laughs) So I can, you know, I'll talk about my views of what I've seen within the black community and the people around me. Um, If someone wants to tell me whether that relates to other communities, that'd be great. But um, I can only speak on what I have experience of. Um, Then we'll jump into some soul searching and I'm calling this one, God uses some messed up people. And we'll get into that. But yeah, it's been an interesting week of Bible reading. As I said, I'm doing the Bible in a Year plan. It's going really well. I'm enjoying it. Um, You know, I get up every morning, throw my scriptures on, listen to the word and uh, take it in. And sometimes I, you know, I have to replay some stuff because some of the stuff that I read is deep or not even read, I listen to is deep. Um, but yeah, but in there also there's some wild stories that, and I listen to some of these stories and I'm like, God, man, some of these people are wild. What is going on? But yeah, that's, that's what we'll be getting into today. And I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are looking forward to it too. I hope you're expecting good things from me on this show because I'm expecting good things from myself. I want to give you guys something worth listening to. I want to make sure that I deliver that content that is top tier, grade A, number one. I want to be your go-to podcast for real Christian conversation. But let's get into this week's show. Before we jump into the show... I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't done so already, what are you waiting for? It's so simple to do. Head over to your favorite streaming platform, search for the Imperfectly Human podcast and hit follow or subscribe, dependent on the platform that you are using. It would be greatly appreciated. It goes a long way in supporting the show and helps us keep creating great content for you. Let's kick this week off with a daddy dilemma. (laughs) Your boy has hit another milestone. I have an adult 
child. Well, not just me, not just me. Myself and my wife, we have an adult child. And I didn't know how to feel about it. Um, obviously, don't get me wrong. Let, let me <laughs> make it make it seem like I wanted her to be a baby forever. That's that's not the case. I'm I'm so proud of my daughter. I'm proud of my firstborn child. What I'm saying is, I remember the day she was born like it was yesterday. I remember bringing her home from the hospital. I remember how afraid I was driving home from you know that first drive back from the hospital how slow I was driving how slowly I went over each speed bump um, constantly looking in the rear view mirror to see if I could see her and she was all right uh, getting home taking her out of the car seat putting the car seat on the bed and just looking at her I remember you know just nights just staring at her not believing that you know, she was ours, and yeah, and now she's an adult, and I'm like, where did that time go, and you know, it's, it's a new dynamic in, in the relationship, that's probably the scariest part of it, I think it's the scariest part, but it's also the most exciting part of it. It's that new dynamic, new experiences with her, new things that um, we can do now that she's an adult that we couldn't do, you know. It's it's going to be different conversations. It's going to be her finding her way in life and coming to us with new challenges and different challenges and I think the the first thought from a parenting perspective that hit me was like I have no legal power to stop her doing anything now and a perfect example of this was on her 18th birthday I logged into um savings account that you know that would I would you know she's the beneficiary of and the first thing when I logged into actually no correction I logged into my HSBC banking and tried to um find the account and don't nobody try to get clever I don't I don't bank with HSBC personally I just used it for the savings so haha you're not gonna get me um I'm not gonna tell you where I actually bank <laughs> but um the I logged into the I logged into HSBC banking just to, to check on on this savings account that, that was in there for her and I couldn't find it 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 was just didn't appear in in there anymore and I was like whoa what's going on where's 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 our savings account where's where what happened to it so I kept logging in and logging back out logging (laughs) I don't know why I thought logging in and logging that back out would uh logging like sorry logging back out and logging back in would, would, would make it magically appear it didn't um so I ended up calling them and and they said to me oh she's has she turned 18 and I was like yeah today's her 18th birthday they're like ah that's why you can't see it you are um no longer legally 
responsible for her in that sense and as an adult you you're no longer the trustee of that account and it's now hers and she will have to go in with some id and it will be moved to an account for her and i was like well damn i was like and so it begins i can you know there goes that sort of i don't want to say monitoring but that protectiveness that you had as a parent where you you know you could veto stuff if they wanted to do something you could veto it because they needed your legal authority and then it started to dawn on me i was like i can't book her doctor's appointments anymore um i can't book her dentist appointments um just little things all the little things and i was like this is this is so weird I am not legally able to do anything on her behalf without her permission now. She is an adult. And like I said, whilst I felt proud, I also felt this sense of... um, It's not loss, it's not grief, it's not, it's kind of that feeling of an end of an era, an end of a chapter. Whilst it's a bookend to one chapter, whilst another chapter starts. And it's hard to explain until you're actually in in that position. You're in this space where if if your child wanted to leave home... You can't do anything about it. She could just, they could just go. That was, that's it. And the law allows them to now do everything for themselves. And it's, it was just weird. Um, so it got me thinking because obviously as a Christian, I, I look at life and um i go back to that scripture that says train a child in the way they should um train a child in a way they should go and when they are older they shall not depart from it and i've tried to impart biblical wisdom all her life i wonder if i've taught her enough I wonder if the lessons have sunk in. I know she's, you know, she's going to make her own choices and I fully support her in the, in whatever choices she's, she's going to make in life. Um, she will always have my support. But I still wonder, you know, it's that checkpoint. Have I done have I, have I fulfilled my mandate as a parent? Have I done what I was supposed to? Have I taught her enough to allow her to function as an adult? And obviously there's still stuff that's, that's happening in her life that we're fully involved with and uh, 
Um, you know, she still lives at home, of course, and all of these things. So she hasn't got, nothing has changed in terms of the day-to-day. And we still have conversations and she still asks me for advice. She still asks her mum for advice. But there is that feeling that you get as a parent at that point. Have I done what I was supposed to do? Um, But I do take, you know, I do take that, have that reassurance in, in myself that I've focused on passing on biblical wisdom. I've focused on passing on life's lessons and lessons from my experiences, good and bad. Lessons from my choices, good and bad. And always giving her a lens that shows her that no matter how difficult life is, no, no matter what challenges you face, there is a God that loves you. There is a God that wants the best for you. There is a father that loves you more than I can even ever love you. And um, I think I take peace in that. That's what I take peace in. Um, I find myself now preparing for those next conversations. And I'm sure it's a rite of passage for every parent. The conversation about relationships and when they introduce you to the first boyfriend or girlfriend, um, when they tell you that they're getting engaged, when they tell you that they're getting married, when they tell you that you're going to be a grandparent. Um, Also, I look forward to the big milestones, you know, them buying their own car, their first car or whatever. Well, you know how that goes. Um, or buying their first home. Just those things, them becoming or getting into the career that they've always dreamed of and starting to see them fulfill and achieve their their goals and live out their dreams. I'm preparing myself for all of that. And it's so exciting. Absolutely exciting. So, yeah, that was... It's not... It's a dilemma in the sense of... um, She's now an adult and I can't legally... Do anything for her in that sense without her permission, as I've said. But... She's still my baby. All my babies are my babies. (laughs) They will always be my babies. And um, yeah, you know, she's still that same little girl that we brought home from the hospital. And um, yeah, I got a full grown adult as a child. Let's talk about relationship and intimacy issues. 
Building and maintaining healthy relationships, including romantic partnerships, and how this can be a challenge for men. Like I said in my intro, I'm talking about this from the perspective of black men and the black community because that is where my experiences lie. I know nothing about dating and relationships outside of my community. That's not to say that you are not presented with similar challenges. I do not know the nuances of relationships outside of my community. So do not take offense that this comes from my lens. Again, my weekly disclaimer, I am not trying to be politically correct. I am trying to be biblically correct. If you don't like that, this is not the podcast for you. With that being said, let's go. So, I was sat on the sofa with my wife a couple of days ago, and we were talking about men and women, or black men and women, and why we struggle. You know, I can't remember what the exact, exact question was, but... It was something around what, you know, what, what is the challenge? And I said, well, from the way I see it and what I've seen is that there is this narrative that has existed for, um, There is a narrative that, that's existed for a long time that basically says that young black men need to be strong. They need to be stoic. Uh, we talked about this last week. They need to be... They need to be... Um, like a brick wall, basically. Don't show emotion or it's only okay to show emotion if that emotion is anger, passion or anything that resembles what is a stereotypical macho male, man's man kind of emotion. You can be aggressive. You can be passionate on the, on, on the field, whether it's basketball, football, American football, um, hockey, whatever your sport is, you can be passionate, you can get angry, you can get riled up, you can shout, you can do all those things. As long as those are, you know, those emotions resemble what is known, what is seen as a manly trait. If you are upset and you want to cry, you're told, hey, stop that. 
Boys don't cry. Stop that. Men don't cry. Why are you being a big baby? Why are you being a crybaby? You want to express your emotions. People get awkward. People don't know how to respond to it. You're told, hush, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't talk about that. So you're taught to bottle up those emotions. You're taught to push them down. You're taught to glaze over them and forget that you had those feelings. If you show empathy, um, if you care, if you're kind, if you show patience or any other emotion in that realm, you were deemed as weak or you're told you're soft. That it's not manly. When I was growing up, the boys that were not aggressive, they were chilled, um, they weren't into any kind of madness, they weren't getting into fights, they, you know, the laid back, the chilled guys, the guys that liked R&B and just wanted to you know, wanted to be romantic and all of that stuff. Well, guess what? You were called the sweet boys. Nobody wanted a sweet boy. I don't want no sweet boy. Girls would be like, I don't want no sweet boy. I want that. I want, I want, I want the thug. I want the, I want the bad boy. I want the one that's going to rough me up. I want the one that's going to shout at me and put me in my place. Um, You know. I want the, the man that's going to treat me, treat me a bit mean. You know, there was that saying, treat him mean to keep him keen. And to a certain extent, it was true. It was, it was true. Girls veered towards the guys that were cold towards them. Or the guys that were paying so much attention to so many other girls um, that... You know, it made them want the girls want them more. Seeing that he wasn't giving them the time of day made her want him more. And it was weird. It was weird to me. Um, Yeah, so, you know, naturally for me, I fell into the realm of sweet boy. I don't care. I'll say it like it is. I fell into the realm of what you, what you wanted to call a sweet boy. I, I cared. I, I've always been someone that's been very empathetic. I've always been someone that's always worn my, worn my heart on my sleeve. To this day, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't, I don't mince my words, but I don't hide my emotions as well. I don't, if, if I'm upset, you will know that I'm upset. Um, I will say that I'm upset. Um, actually, actually, no, let me pull that back. Um, to a certain extent, I, 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 once I got into a relationship, I did fall into the trap of trying to be what society wanted me to be. In the sense of, I didn't let my wife in all the, all the way. I still had walls up and I still had barriers. And it was for, from a fear of rejection. And I'm kind of jumping the gun here. Because that's something that I was going to bring up later. But um, this all plays into it. But... That, that was the angle with boys. You know, be tough. 
Be a man. Go play outside. Be rough. Oh, if they're, you know, boys are scrapping or whatever. Oh, they're just boys. They're just being boys. Um, that's, that's what they said. And if one got hurt and one cried, don't, don't cry. Go out there. You hit him harder. You do this. You, we were taught to solve our problems with aggression. That's what you were told to do. He hit you. Go back then. You hit him harder than he hit you. The next time he'll know not to hit to, to hit you. That's what we were taught. That's what was expected of boys. Girls, on the other hand, are taught to be strong and well, they're also taught to be strong and taught to, but taught to be independent. As though this independence is a badge of honor. To wear it as a badge of honor. They're taught. To you know, you hear the you hear those phrases. I can do bad by myself. I don't need a man. What's a man gonna do for me? I don't. I all of that. So they're taught this notion from a young young age that you are you should be self sufficient and you are everything that you need. You don't need a man. Um. I've come across examples where women are told, or girls are told, don't don't accept a man that is earning less than you because he's not manly enough, because he can't provide the things that you can already provide for yourself. What are you going to do with a man like that? That's not a man. A man should be able to provide for you. Uh, They're taught that, first and foremost, a man is a means to a financial end. I hate to say that, but generally, that's what I see. And you go out and you look and see what is being reinforced in social media. That's what you will see. Oh, I want a high value man. That's the new one. That's the new concept. I want a high value man. Oh, my man needs to be earning at least 500k a month. What, where, what, kind of, what kind of career path do you think he has? Please show me your average career path. Like, let's get this out here. Not every single person in this world is going to be in the top 1% or 2%. Those are the people that earn that kind of money. Not everyone in this world is going to be in that percent in that bracket. I'm sorry, that's the reality of it. Your chances of meeting someone in that bracket are also quite slim. So if that is your measure of um is if that's how you measure the type of man that you, you want to be with, you're gonna be one lonely person. Because your chances of meeting someone that earns half a million a month, very slim. Um, we're taught, or girls are taught, that 
a man should be able to come in and handle anything and handle any and everything. But just in case he can't, you've got to be able to, to you've got to be strong enough to go out there and get whatever you want for yourself. So if you have a man, cool, but make sure you've got a backup plan just in case he's not capable of providing what you want. So you can go out there, you can provide it for for yourself. Then the 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 common thing that I see is that uh, it's then thrown back in a man's face. You know, we have many examples of oh, you're not man enough for me. You couldn't even do this. And it always gets to the point where not only do they try to emasculate a man by speaking down on his financial status and his ability to earn, but then they take it to his... um, They hit him where, where it hurts because, look, men have ego. That That's... There's all this bravado, there's ego. And as soon as a woman says something, oh, and you couldn't even do this, you couldn't even please me, you don't even know how to please me, blah, 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 blah. That hits a man's ego. And then the walls go up. Um, Just finishing off, the, rounding this off, but... We have influencers out here who are encouraging girls to go and get it. Live. Do you. It's, it's, the, it's the modern times. It's, it's the new millennia. It's whatever. Do you. You go out there and you, you do like a man does. You be out there. You, you have... Nobody cares about your body count. Don't worry about your body count. Be free. And then there's this expectation that a man should just accept you with your 200 body count, with your 50 body count, whatever it may be. And just be like, cool. Now, let me make sure that people understand that I do not have a double standard at this, uh, when, when we're talking about this. Because boys are also taught, and they're being lied to, that their sexual conquests are a sign of their alpha male status. So we also have boys out here chasing body counts. Oh, bro, I'm on I'm on 900. Oh, bro, I've, I've you know, I I'm I'm like three I'm in four digits now. Disgusting. A lot of them are lying anyway, but still it's disgusting. Your body is a temple. Treat it as one. If you look 
And this just came to me. This just came to me. I'm not even going to front. Um, the scripture does say, you know, your, your body is a temple. And I will, let me, let me confirm exactly where that comes from. Because I can't remember for the life of me off the top of my head. Um, you know, but if you imagine... The way the Bible describes the temple, not even the temple, the sanctuary or, or no, let's go Old Testament. The Bible talks about when it's telling um, the Israelites in the wilderness to, to set up the, the temple and the sanctuary um, where the Ark of the Covenant will be. And it's talking about um, the, the Levites and how. They must sanctify themselves to um, come into come into the presence of God before they come into the temple, before they come be behind the curtain. It's mad. It's um, you know, it's not no, it's not a small, it's not a small task to prepare your body. To enter into the presence of God. Because if you step into the presence of God. If you step into the temple. And you're not ready. And you're not sanctified. You're not purified. You're not cleansed. You're struck down. Dead. Because it says it's holy ground. It's a place where. God's presence is. And, and, and things that are impure cannot cannot be in the presence of God they you know we'll talk about why we are the righteousness of Christ why why God sees us as the righteousness of Christ because the the righteousness of of Christ has been transmuted to us so that we can appear holy and acceptable before God in his presence we can go behind the veil and go behind the curtain because of that righteousness of Christ that's been transmuted to us as we when we accept Christ as our savior whole another conversation but bringing it back to this one when we the so what I was looking for um appears in Corinthians so first in first Corinthians 3 16 to 17 do you know do you not know that you are the temple of God and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. First Corinthians six nineteen to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. So, um, this whole notion back to, to the to what I was saying about the body entering into the holy place. Now, you are joining your body with multiple people. Allowing multiple multiple people to enter your temple. 
No sanctification to your temple. It is no longer set apart or being treated as holy as something that God has bought with a price. You're, you're, you're prostitute in your temple. Put simply, and I hold boys and girls to the same standard. It's not judgment. I'm not judging. I'm not saying this. I'm giving advice here. Biblical advice. Your body is the temple. Treat it with respect because God purchased that body with a, with a price. Do not be so laxed and so loose with the temple that God has given you. So when we start talking about body counts, this body counts, that. These conversations. Oh, we should be free. Don't worry about your body count. A man should accept you for who you are and and what your history is and whatever you've been and blah, 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 blah. Listen. You do not want to be with someone who has violated their temple. Whether boy or girl, you do not want to be with someone that has violated your their temple. If that is what they believe that they deserve, there is work that needs to be done in them. And if that is what you believe that you deserve, you deserve someone that has violated their temple, that has not treated their temple as something sacred and holy, has exposed themselves to a multitude of um, potential diseases from being promiscuous and blah blah blah. If that is what you feel you deserve, you don't understand your worth. Anyway, back to the point. Oh, and one thing I will say is this because you know, all these people doing this, I don't care what anyone tells me. At some point, they're going to realize how empty all of that was. At some point, they are going to feel ashamed of how they have abused their bodies. At some point, they will feel grimy, dirty, used. Because no matter what you want to tell yourself, I was out here living life. I was a, you're going to realize as you mature that you did not value yourself enough when you were doing those things. You didn't treat your body as a sacred possession. You treated it as something cheap that any and everybody could have access to rather than something precious that should have been reserved for someone special you will feel that guilt and that shame it's just the way we are wired 
and you can come with all your bravado, you can come with all um, whatever you want and pretend. In public, you can pretend, but behind closed doors, when you're alone, when you're thinking about life and you're thinking about the choices that you've made and the decisions that you've made and the actions that you've taken and you evaluate how you feel about yourself in those deep moments, you can't avoid the guilt. You can't avoid the shame. But I will say this. The Bible does say that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who love the Lord. Um... And again, I'm not, please, please, please understand, this is not judgment. I'm hoping that I'm speaking to people who are yet to make some of these decisions or who are early enough in their adult lives to make choices that reflect how much they value themselves or individuals that have been redeemed and understand how much God loves them and how much that their past experiences um, have been purchased at a price. That they've been washed and made new, renewed by the washing of his word, by the cleansing of the blood of the lamb that was shed for them at Calvary. So... You don't need to keep condemning yourself because God does not condemn you. Because that shame, that pain and all of that that we feel in those dark moments and everybody has shame. Everyone has pain. Everyone has things that we regret and that we wish we could take back. But God says there's no condemnation for those that love the Lord. Those that he has called his own. There is no condemnation. There is nothing that his blood cannot wash away. So. Please note that that. Is where I'm coming from. From this. I want to give the advice to those that can make the choice now. To change. And not to. Or not to go down that path. But if you have been now on that path. And you are now redeemed. Do not feel. Like that shame is your story anymore. Because you have been redeemed and bought and purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Um, So, anyway, back to what we were talking about. So, we've kind of explained the dynamics that exist out there. We've talked about men, boys grow into men and the way boys are conditioned. We talked about girls and how the way girls are conditioned. So, you now have these stoic men... Strong men, manly men, void of emotion, taught to just be provider, be disciplinarian, be hard, unrelenting and all of that stuff. Then you have your strong women, strong independent women. I don't need a man. I, I built this by myself. My career did this. I did all of this. I did. And you then put them 
into a relationship. And strong and strong. That's me hitting my fists together. Strong and strong butt heads. Because no one no one compromises. No one submits. Even though the Bible tells us men and women submit, husbands and wives submit unto each other. Because people want to go, oh, wives submit unto your husbands. That's that's later. That's that's further down in the scripture. That the, the scripture actually starts with husbands. And wives submit unto each other. So. But no one wants to submit. No one wants to give an inch. Everyone has their walls up. Everyone has their emotional barriers. And the problem is. I've seen. What I've seen a lot. Is that. And I'm not saying this for everyone. I'm not saying this in every situation. But in a lot of cases. People lead. With sex. Oh, he makes me feel good. Oh, she makes me feel good. Oh, this and that. Or, oh, he buys me stuff. Oh, she she treats me this way or whatever. We're not looking or we're not addressing or having the conversations that need to be had. You're looking at the things that you've been conditioned to look at. You know, both people cannot be strong all the time. There are moments where wives, you have to be the strength. And a lot of the times, it's when your husbands need that safe space to be emotionally vulnerable. That is when you have to demonstrate your strength. But men also, we have to learn to demonstrate our strength in their times of need. We have to demonstrate our strength when it comes to being a protector and being a provider. But being a provider does not necessarily mean that you are the one that earns the most in the family. Hey, that might be controversial for some. Some people might not agree with that. Some people might not believe in that. But earning less than your wife does not make you less of a man. It doesn't make you less of a provider either. Because provision is not just about money. What else do you provide? Do you provide her with safety? Do you provide her with comfort? Do you provide her with peace? Do you provide her with protection? Do you do these for your children? As long as you can maintain your responsibilities, 
you're being a provider. A provider is not, you're not only a provider because you can, you can take, the, take your family on luxury holidays or all of this stuff. We've talked about this before. There are, there are four basic things that we need. What we shall eat, what we shall wear, what we shall drink, where we shall live. If you can take care of these basic things, you're providing. But then it goes beyond that and you must provide emotionally. You must support, you must stand out there, stand in the gap. Can you provide spiritual covering? Are you providing spiritual covering from your family, for your family? Are you being their umbrella of protection? Are you being their safe, their tent in the wilderness to, to pro- protect them from the elements, from the spiritual elements? Are you building spiritual tents in your home to protect your loved ones? Are you providing that covering that you are called to provide? You see, we need to learn to tear down the walls. We need to, li- to learn to, to break down the, ba- the barriers because, like I said, strong and strong cannot work. You need to complement each other because you've got a strong man here that doesn't want to let anyone in. Doesn't want to let his guard down because he fears being called soft or weak. You've got a strong woman here that doesn't want to give in. That doesn't want to let her guard down because she fears being taken advantage of. She fears being um, emotionally vulnerable to a man that she feels might, might walk away. Because we're conditioned. Society has conditioned, conditioned us to believe that the default for black men within our communities is to be absent. Physically absent, emotionally absent. And spiritually absent. That is what society wants us to believe. And we have drank the Kool-Aid. And we're believing that that is our truth. But the Bible says different. We are called to be priests in our, in our households. It says we are a royal priesthood set apart. We are called for a divine responsibility. And for those of you that have taken wives, as the Bible says, you are called to love your wife like Christ loved the church. We covered this before. And that entails a lot of things. That entails a lot of things. But... I wanna I wanna go to um so there are a few other things I wanna cover. Um I think what's interesting is that we need to realize that our uh, men and women want to express emotions to each other. It's the societal pressures and the cultural pressures that we have allowed to come in 
and to sell lies to us that stop us and keep us hiding behind the walls that we've built up. Both desire a deep connection. But those deep desires for deep connection and emotional availability are hidden behind layers of trauma and pain. Because the trauma and pain is shaped at a young age. Because when a boy falls down and wants to cry because he's in pain, he's told not to. When a girl says she can't do something, she's told, yes, you can. You're a strong woman. You can do this. So she's been taught to not rely or ask for help from anyone. That's why we have women that then that grow up and don't know how to ask for help when they need it. We, don't, we have men that don't know how to express themselves because they've been taught to suppress it from a young age. Our ability to connect is shaped and nurtured from a young age. Nobody wants to be the first in the relationship to extend a branch of love or understanding because we fear losing the power. Again, this has been shaped at a young age. We watch our parents, we watch those around us, we listen to what we're being told, we listen to conversations that happen around us. And we allow this to shape our perspective and our view of what, how a man and a woman should interact. But then we also have, now we have social media. And we have people out here pumping out negative narratives that reinforce the stereotypes. That just drive men and women apart, further and further apart. The amount of toxic things that I see on social media, the amount of toxic mindsets that I hear from women and toxic mindsets that I hear from men that have no clue what it means to be vulnerable and to truly love someone. They have misinformed ideas of what love is. And they sit on these platforms regurgitating the nonsense that they've picked up from who knows. Not knowing anything about their true value. Not knowing anything about what it means to love someone. To be available for someone. But I'll remind you, let, let's just jump, let's just put some context, put the, 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 um, some scripture into this. 1 Corinthians 13, I call it the love chapter. Love is the greatest. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. I don't even need to go much further than that. Let's carry on. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient. Love, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful 
or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irri- it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything perfect, with perfect clarity, sorry. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. I mean, what else is there to say? If we really understood what love is. We wouldn't care about these walls. We wouldn't hold. We wouldn't keep record. Of who's done who wrong. We wouldn't call each other out our names. We would speak to each other. With kindness. Because we will see. The reflection, the image of God that stands before us. And we will honour and respect that image of God. We will see the person that we have left our father and mother for and joined to and become one. We will see the person that paid the bride price. And as they submit to Christ and submit to us We will want to submit to them. Ladies, submission is not a bad thing. Men, understand that you are also to submit. Submitting is not about giving up your power. Because when you join and become one, you share the power. You strengthen the power. You double the power. So stop thinking about these things as though someone is giving up their power to the other person. And that is why you don't want to let your walls down. You don't want to to let the barrier down. You don't want to let anyone in. Um, Just going to run through some things real quick. Communication skills, vulnerability and understanding emotional needs are crucial aspects Um, and they require active effort and self-reflection. So understanding how to communicate. Um, Effective and open communication is vital for building intimacy. 
if we look at Proverbs 18, 13, if what it says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is it is his folly and shame. What's that talking about? It's talking about active listening. It's talking about not jumping to the jumping the gun or making conclusions before someone has even had an opportunity to explain the situation. It's talking about exercising patience and being willing to allow someone to state their case before you judge them. But more importantly, judgment is not yours. Judgment is reserved for the Lord. The person who loves more is the person who can forgive and turn the other cheek. But then the person who loves is also careful not to commit an offence towards the person that they love. That's not to say that we will not have disagreements in relationships. But when we do, those who truly understand love are quick to forgive. Quick to reconcile so that the sun will not go down with their anger, as the Bible says. Do not let the sun set on your anger. Don't go to sleep angry, put simply. Reconcile. Um, vulnerability and trust. Another key point for building those deeper relationships and, and actually achieving intimacy in a relationship. So within the you know we need to figure out and we need to do it quickly actually how to be vulnerable um from a christian perspective uh you know it, within the Catholic community, they have things of confession and you go and conf- confess your sins to a priest. But, uh, and I guess this stems from James 5.16, in, uh, which encourages the confessing of, of sins to one another and praying for each other. Um, but if we bring that into the context of a relationship, it's about talking about those things that you struggle with and being able to share that openly and vulnerably with your partner, with your other half, with your spouse. And being able to pray for each other in relation to those things. I've had my wife pray for me about multiple things that I've struggled with in life. She's the first person I go to when I need prayer. And we pray for each other. Um, Emotional connection. So... Learning to, to, in order to build an emotional, an intimately emotional connection with someone requires empathy. And if you recall what I said at the beginning, boys are taught to shut that off. So it's no wonder we struggle with that deep emotional connection because we're not taught to be empathetic. We're not taught to be sensitive to others, to the emotions of others. We're not taught how to offer support and encouragement. 
Um, just going to, there's a Romans 12, 15, which um, encourages rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. That emphasizes that emotional availability, recognizing and being sensitive to the needs of those around you. That's how you establish emotional connection. Um, Shared experiences. Again, creating memories together and learning to do things together and learning to support each other and learning, learning to stand together and to have goals together, deepen that connection and that intimacy. Shared memories deepen our understanding of each other. We need to be each other's companions. Someone that we can rely on. Someone that you can rely on when you're weak. And vice versa. Um, This one is something that... Look, this is at the core of the problem. The lack of mutual respect and honour. We need mutual respect and honour in in relationships. Being able to respect and honour someone cultivates intimacy. Romans 12.10 encourages believers to outdo one another in showing honour. Outdo one another in showing honour. Bring that into your relationship. Outdo each other in honouring each other. Honour your spouse. Do not put yourself in a place where you compromise the sanctity of your marriage and your relationship. Uh, Prayer and spiritual connection. I've talked about this. Um, in my home, we cultivate a habit of praying together, myself and, and, and my wife. And that's not to say we get it right every, you know, every day. There are days where I rush out and we could, we forget and I might call her in the car and say, oh, we didn't pray. Let's pray while I'm driving. Um, but we do try to focus on on praying together and praying for our children together and praying for our home together and praying for our dreams and our businesses and what we want to do we pray together. It's important. It deepens the connection. It deepens your understanding of of um, of each other and what each other, you know, praying for God's will to be done in your home, in your marriage, and in your lives together, in your joint lives, is an important thing. It deepens that intimacy. And Matthew 18, 19 to 20 speaks about the power of pray, uh, of the agreement, the power of prayers in agreement or prayer or agreement in prayer, whichever way you want to phrase it. Um, you deepen the spiritual bond, you deepen the intimacy. We are spiritual beings first and foremost. Um, and I've touched on this forgiveness and grace. We are nothing without the grace of Jesus Christ. Grace is the, this is the, this is, this is the gospel of grace. For everything that we have is founded on grace. There is nothing we could do 
to earn the salvation that we have. There is nothing that we could pay to buy the salvation there that we have. There is nothing that we have done that has made us deserving of this. It is a gift of grace. Therefore, if we are created in his image and we are living and striving to be Christians, those who reflect the image of Christ, how can we not extend grace and forgiveness in our relationships and in our homes and in our marriage? Colossians 3.13 encourages forgiving others as the Lord has forgiven us. There we go. When you extend grace as grace was extended to you, you will see transformation in every relationship in your life. Not just your, your marital relationship, in every relationship in your life. When you learn to extend grace... You're going to see some things happen. You know, I'm always drawn back to that story in the Bible of the man that was forgiven his debt. And then he went back and there was someone that owed him. And he had the, the person that owed him thrown in jail. And then he was called back and they said, you're a wicked man because... You were forgiven your debt, but you would not forgive someone of their own. Therefore, um, you know, they were then thrown in prison and they were thrown and then they were punished. And, and it's that kind of thing. How can we be given something, a gift so freely, a gift of grace? And then we want to hoard it and keep it to ourselves and we don't want to pass it on. We don't want to pass on that goodness, that grace, that mercy, that compassion, that love. When we learn to pass on and share grace, we will see transformative things in our relationships. Um, so in summary, if we learn to tear down the walls and we focus on, on the points that we've, I've just touched on, Mutual respect, forgiveness, grace, um, praying together, shared experiences, learning to be empathetic towards each other, being sensitive of each other's emotions, weeping with each other, rejoicing with each other. We will see transformations in our relationships. Learn to communicate. Learn to be vulnerable. You will see transformation in relationships. Soul searching this week is around a topic I found interesting that came to me as I was driving to the gym. And I've called this one, God uses messed up people. And... That's true. There's no, it's, no, it's no secret. It is no secret that God uses messed up people. A lot of the people that God did stuff with in the, in the Bible were messed up. Perfect examples. And I've, I've tried to summarize um, why I think these people were messed up. So in my opinion, Jacob. Jacob was a fraudster. 
Why? He was a little trickster that wanted to steal his brother's um, blessing. So that's what he did. He conspired with his mama and stole his brother's blessings. Not once, but twice. Actually, no, no, no. Um, Esau showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. So he kind of set himself up for that one. But on the other hand, um, Jacob did teeth his blessings when he, um, you know, he conspired with his mum to, to, to trick to trick Isaac into, into blessing him. Um, anyway, then we got Moses. Moses was a murderer. And there's, well, there's no two ways about it. He, he tried, he, he went in secret and he broke up the man and mashed him up to the man dead. And then he put the man somewhere, thought no one saw and tried tried to sneak off. And then someone else saw, someone saw him and then he got shook and he ran away. Murderer. Um, but God, God used him. He was one of God's greatest prophets. Um, Jacob was, sorry, I'm going backwards, but Jacob was the son of Isaac that God chose to use as the bloodline for fulfilling his promises to Abraham. And he continually blessed him and kept his hand on him and all of that stuff. So that was interesting. And then Samson, uh, Samson was, Samson was wild, man. Samson was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Do not cut his hair. Super strength. Talking superhuman. But in all of that, knowing that he was dedicated to God, he was just wild. He went and he took you know, he was, he was like, it sounds like he was promiscuous and he was out there moving wild and just laying up with chicks. Um, he was, he kind of, he was showy with the strength that God was, God had given him. Whilst he used it and constantly demonstrated it against the Philistines, he was, how do I put it? Sometimes it was like, yeah, bruv, there was no need for that. But he would show out. And then um, the way he was so nonchalant about, you know, he was loose-lipped when he was talking to, to, to Delilah. He, 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 he got mesmerized, let's put it that way. He was whipped because... Um, he shouldn't, he should, from the time she was already asking him, hey, uh, what's the secret to your, to your strength? Hey, what makes you so strong? Why won't you tell me? Blah, blah, blah. He should have been like, mm-mm, this chick is tripping. He should have been like, uh-uh, I ain't telling her nothing. You know, matter of fact, I'm, I'm going home right now. No, he chose to, to, to continue to lay up there because he felt that no matter what happened, he would have the strength to overcome. And he was arrogant with it. Um, also, you know, that if you look back on Levitical 
Levitical law, it talks about um, making, keeping yourself pure and not being defiled. And when he killed the lion with his bare hands and the bees made their hive in the, in the carcass of the lion and he ate the honey, he defiled himself. This is someone that was supposed to keep himself set apart and holy. Don't cut your hair. You're a Nazarite. But he's breaking Levitical law or he's breaking, you know, the laws that God had given the people of Israel. He was just irreverent. He just did whatever he want, wanted to do. Wild. Um, David, David was an adulterer. David was a player. David was not just an adulterer, he was a murderer as well, man. The double whammy. But God said, this is a man after my own heart. And he he used David. David was, um, he said to David that um, someone from his line will always be on the throne. And Jesus came from the line of David. And we know Jesus is forever on the throne. I mean, that's mad. And then the last one I went for was, um, and I know there are others, but these are the ones that kind of jumped out to me, was Paul. Paul was, Paul was a serial killer, man. This dude was killing Christian believers like it was nothing, like it was going out of fashion. It was his hobby. He, he was out here slaying Christians. That's the, he was like, I'm putting in work. I'm, I'm putting in work. I'm getting it done. I'm, I'm ridding Israel of this scourge of, of Christians. Wild. So I was like, I guess that what it made me think was, whilst we can be out here condemning ourselves, if God has chosen to use you, if God has redeemed you, there is nothing that God cannot do through you. God doesn't choose people based on conventional wisdom or the wisdom of man. Because God knows what he put into each individual. He knows what he poured into you. He, know the pur- he knows the purpose for which he created you. And even though everyone around you might tell you that you're worthless, God sees the worth that he's poured into you. He sees the vessel that he created and the greatness that he created that vessel for. So I guess don't let your past your history don't let anyone tell you that you're unredeemable because from what i have seen what i have read nobody is unredeemable to god and if you are willing to be used and you are willing to lay your life at the foot of the throne and say here i am lord use me God will be faithful to do so and to do some amazing things through you. So that's what I've been reflecting on um, from my scripture reading, Bible in the year stuff. 
those are the, the thoughts that it triggered. Um, I hope it was useful. I hope it was encouraging for someone. But yeah, that's that's that. And just like that, we have reached the end of this week's episode. I am stoked. I have enjoyed myself. I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, I hope everyone else has enjoyed it as much as I have. You know, let me know. Give me some feedback. Send me a DM. Send me an email. David at dailyperspective.co.uk um, yeah reach out I mean it's always good to hear from people I'm getting quite a few people reaching out about appearing on the show I'm being very selective I'm not rushing into doing any um, guest spots I enjoy them but they have to be right they have to fit with the direction of the show and and if I'm honest this time I'm being very cautious because I want to be true to what I was called to to create I don't want to go into the left or to the right but staying on the straight and narrow so that's what I'm gonna do but yeah it's been a good show I'm going to embrace being the parent of an adult child. And within a couple of years, um, I will have another adult child. So let me make sure that I gear myself up and I'm ready. It's crazy because when my second child turns 18, my eldest child will turn 21 so that's going to be um, an interesting year of celebrations um, so yeah I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to all these new experiences that are coming um, when it comes to talking about this emotional connections and all of this stuff and relationships and intimacy hey listen I love sharing i love love i want to see people in relationships that thrive i want to see people connect i'm one of those guys that will get teary teary eyed from a gesture of love um seeing people connect so i want to see that i want to see people win in relationships i want to see people have those successful connections um but look out look out for each other let those walls down take the take the barriers down don't conform to the stereotypes be renewed and be transformed so that you can experience love and remember what i said about um in soul searching don't let anyone tell you that you're not worthy because you've been redeemed and if god has redeemed you it means he's ready to use you so With that said, I'm out and I'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Imperfectly Human podcast. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast. You can do this on your favorite streaming platforms.